1: Hillary Clinton has said that FBI Director James Comey's public statements about the FBI's investigation into Clinton's use of a private email server was an important factor leading to her defeat in last year's presidential election. President Trump, meanwhile, has praised Comey's actions. And it took guts for Director Comey to make the
2: move that he made in light of the kind of opposition he had where they're trying
1: to protect her from criminal prosecution. You know that. But yesterday, President Trump fired Director Comey, based, he said, on advice that Comey's handling of that investigation had damaged the FBI's reputation and credibility. Later in the program, we expect to go live to the White House for Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Sanders' comments on the Comey firing. And now we're going to talk about it with John Colhane, a professor at Delaware Law School, and Michael Vadis, a partner at Steptoe & Johnson who held several positions, including Associate Deputy Attorney General in the Department of Justice. Michael, you have a situation where the president during the campaign praised Comey's public statements about what was going on in the investigation of Clinton's email server. Now he's fired it based on a, he's fired him based on a, um, it's purportedly on a memo from Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein that says that he, Comey handled this terribly and undermined the FBI. What do we make of this rationale for firing the FBI director?
2: I think it's patently obvious that that this rationale is a complete pretext and has nothing to do with the real reason that uh, Comey was fired. Um, I think anybody who's been following the news in in recent months uh, has to believe that this is uh, based on the Trump-Russia investigation. And uh, it may just be that they were getting nervous that the FBI is getting too close to Trump and too close to, to people closely associated with him. I think there's there's no other way to
3: explain this.
4: John, do you agree with that, that there's no other way to explain this?
3: Absolutely. I mean, if one were to read the Rosenstein memo setting forth the justifications for the firing, you know, in isolation, they make sense. I mean, there was a case for firing uh, Comey. But now, you know, many months after the fact, uh, it makes no sense at all, except for the reasons that we've just heard. So I completely agree with that. I think a number of things have come to light uh, in the last uh, couple of days. One is that Comey had recently requested uh, more resources for the investigation. There had recently been subpoenas issued uh, in regard to uh, Mike Flynn's uh, conduct. And then uh, the Senate had just asked for uh, information about the financial connections between Trump people and the Russians. So I think uh, if you look at those events and the reports that uh, Trump was you know furious about the uh, Russian investigation, the only logical conclusion I can draw from that is that this was really based on that. And the word pretext, I think, is exactly right.
1: Well, Michael, it, perhaps the uh, the rationale isn't the real one, as you're suggesting, but doesn't the president have the legal right to dismiss the FBI director?
2: For cause, I mean, the FBI director has a, a 10-year term, and he's, and uh, you know Congress created that fixed term in order to remove the FBI director from from partisan politics and from and from the pressures uh, of partisan politics, and, and and precisely to deal with a situation like this where um, the head of the executive branch may himself or or his close associates may be under investigation, and and you need to have independence uh, by the FBI director. Now he, he is part of the executive branch, but since the executive branch is responsible for enforcing the law, it's critical to have uh, independence uh, on the part of the FBI director. And you know whatever one thinks of Comey's actions uh, with regard to the Clinton email investigation, um, you know it, I think you could make a case that it would, that uh, his firing would have been justified. Um, but I think you could also say it wasn't that wasn't uh, 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 an adequate cause to, to fire him. Um, but I think to the extent we get caught up in whether that was a fireable offense, I think we're we're playing into the White House's hands. Uh, when the real question should be what was the reason that they fi- what was the true reason that they fired him, uh, and what are the, you know what does that mean for our democracy, uh, and for the rule of law if they can fire someone. Um, because he was leading an investigation that was making the president uncomfortable because it was getting close to him.
1: In the wake of President Trump firing FBI Director James Comey yesterday, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer called for the attorney general and deputy attorney general to brief the entire Senate in closed session. And he also called for the appointment of a special prosecutor to investigate possible connections between the Trump presidential campaign and Russia, an investigation that until yesterday was overseen by James Comey. Our guests today to talk about the fallout from the president's firing of the FBI director are John Culhane, a professor at Delaware Law School, and Michael Vadis, a former Justice Department official who is a partner at Steptoe and Johnson. John, the procedures have changed over the years about how a special prosecutor gets appointed. What would have to happen in order for a special prosecutor to be appointed to take over this Russia investigation?
3: All right. So it's important to be clear on the terms. When we think about special prosecutors, we think about what happened in the 1990s with Clinton, and there was a law that specifically authorized a special uh, prosecutor. That law uh, hasn't existed since about 1999. So now, uh, really, the proper term is special counsel. And basically, uh, this is a situation where the attorney general, or in this case it would be Ron Rosenstein as the deputy since since Sessions is recused, would appoint a special counsel. Um, and you can think of it as somewhere in between being truly you know independent, like a special prosecutor, and being someone that's subject to the authority of the Department of Justice. It's somewhere in between, so they're supposed to be independent and not subject to the day to day supervision of the uh, Department of Justice and the Attorney General, uh, but they're still uh, responding to them, and they can be fired for cause. So they have authority in criminal matters um, and criminal investigation, but it's not quite as independent as the special prosecutor uh, uh, law um, imagined, and it also requires an action by the Attorney General, uh, and you know whether or not that will happen I think is very much an open question. I doubt it.
4: Michael, so all the senators are calling for this, but Senator Richard Blumenthal said that if the attorney general or the deputy attorney general fails to appoint a special counselor, he'll introduce legislation to reestablish an independent counsel as existed in the wake of Watergate. What are the chances that he could get bipartisan support for that?
2: Uh but- pretty much close to zero, I would think. Um, And even if it passed Congress, I would imagine uh, that President Trump would would veto it. Um, So I think really the best chance of of the investigation continuing with some semblance of independence is that uh, the deputy attorney general, uh, since the the AG himself is recused from the Russia investigation, if, if the deputy, Rod Rosenstein, uh, appoints a special counsel um, and appoints someone with with real um, – a reputation for independence and, and non-partisan, uh, sh- nonpartisanship.
4: But, Michael, it sounds from what we just heard that no one is really going to have real independence, especially if they can be fired – for cause and as we see, cause can be anything. It seems at this point, so it doesn't seem like there's any there's any real hope of an in, of a, an independent investigation.
2: Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, we're we're really back to the situation that existed with with Nixon and and his ability to fire Archibald Cox when he was a special prosecutor, uh, and it took you know the, the resignation of the the attorney general and the deputy, and then it was left to the. Number three person, um, which happened to be uh, Robert Bork, to fire Cox. And so that, that, that same sort of situation would exist here. But I think once a, spe- a special counsel were appointed, it would be very difficult, even for someone who doesn't have any regard for the usual norms, uh, like President Trump, be very difficult politically for him to uh, fire a special counsel um, once that person has been appointed.
1: John Are there things the Democrats can do in Congress now to try to force the administration's hand to appoint a special counsel?
3: Not really, no. I mean, public pressure, and I think, you know, this is a case where, you know, popular opinion and, you know, kind of people taking to the streets might be, you know, about the only way to get this done. Uh, Well, are there— The other thing we need to— Are they able to
1: slow things down in Congress or, you know, refuse to do appoint—you know— I refuse to allow appointments to go forward. Is there any power they have in the minority?
3: In the Senate, there sure is, right? The Senate, as we know, uh, is a is a Byzantine uh, mess of you know rules and procedures that can be used by the minority party to slow things down and bring things to a halt. So they could try to do something really dramatic like that, uh, and we'll see if it comes to that. The other thing to keep an eye on, of course, is. Who is appointed as Comey's successor? And I think that'll be an important question, uh, whether that's a person that uh, we can rely on and have confidence in is going to continue the investigation. There are some reports that I have to say I think are pretty credible that, you know, Trump is interested in finding someone and appointing someone who will shut the whole thing down. And uh, that really would bring us to some uh, something like a constitutional crisis.
1: Well, our thanks to John Culhane of Delaware Law School and Michael Vattis, a partner at Steptoe and Johnson, for being here today on Bloomberg Law to talk about President Trump firing the FBI director, James Comey.
4: And do you know... One thing that we haven't mentioned is that several FBI agents replaced their photos on Facebook with Comey's and have written that they were outraged by his removal. So we'll have to talk a little bit tomorrow about what... We'll have to get Mark
1: Zuckerberg on the show to talk about that tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, Coming up on Bloomberg Law Today, uh, Democrats are urging regulators to look at Carl Icahn, who has been advising President Trump and to see whether or not he's gained unfair trading advantages in the market for renewable fuel credits through his advice and his role with the Trump administration. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Bloomberg.